Welcome to the Vivid Seat Studios in a game that only can be described, only can be described as sloppy, maybe lethargic. I'm going to go back with sloppy. Oklahoma rolls over Kansas 45-20. to Sooners go to 5-0 and on the season, remain undefeated. Also, nation's longest true road winning streak, 22 games and counting for Oklahoma. Up next, the Texas Longhorns. Of course, we'll get into that later on in the week. I, I do want to throw a quote out. I, I love I love Jalen Hurts, just his demeanor. I love the grandpa, uh, the disapproving looks he gives, I think, sometimes himself. I, I think sometimes Jalen Hurts stands in the mirror and gives himself a disapproving look. Over He should have had a pick six today. He should have had a pick six. And when he thinks about that, Guaranteed he's going to give himself a disapproving look. But Jalen Hurts asked about Oklahoma-Texas next week. The gravity of that game, the big moment playing in the Cotton Bowl. Jalen Hurts' response, have you seen this, Rich DeCray? Jalen Hurts' response is, I've played in the Iron Bowl. I've played in big games. I think I'll be all right. Now, we'll get to that later on in the week. We'll, we'll preview that matchup on Thursday night. But it's all about Oklahoma-Kansas right now. Sooners off to a terrible start. 30-minute a 30-minute weather delay pushes this game back to what was supposed to be 11 o'clock Central, 11.30 kickoff, which I was actually okay with that. It made my morning a little bit less rushed. I don't know about how your morning went, but mine was a little bit less rushed. But, man, I don't think Oklahoma realized this game started to about 12.15 because they they jump, they they, they fall down, you know, 7 nothing. First time, not only the first time of the season have they allowed points in the first quarter, it's the first time this season they've had a deficit in the game, period. But then they roll off 21, 28 unanswered points, ultimately going up to uh, um, 45. I think it's 42 to nothing when Kansas finally scored, and then the Sooners add on some uh, late field goal. I, like, I, I'm okay. I, I, it was a sloppy game. And there are things that we can talk about with this game. But I, I don't. I'm not willing to jump off of a sh- uh, off the boat or anything. I, I'm not willing to jump off a cliff. I, I am. If I'm Texas right now, after seeing their performance at West Virginia, if I'm Joe Texas fan as opposed to Joe Oklahoma fan, I've got a lot more concerns than I do uh, looking at this team. I, I see when I look at Oklahoma, and I'm gonna give you the mic, okay? I trust me. I I don't I don't plan on taking this podcast all on my own. I really don't. But when I look at Oklahoma. I think the offensive line, not a cohesive unit yet. They've only, out of five games, they've played together. Bill, when we've talked about this, Bill beating both starting five has played together one game. Out of five games, we've seen the starting offensive line unit one time, and that was UCLA. Kennedy Brooks, a late scratch. I, I heard so many conflicting reports from Kennedy Brooks that he was a, a last-minute scratch that he was going to play, and then you go in the weather delay, and the decision was made not to play him in the weather delay. And then I, I heard it from, from that to the other end of the spectrum that he didn't even make the trip to Lawrence. So the truth about Kennedy Brooks is somewhere in between, but what, you, what we hope is that it's nothing long-term lingering from that dirty shot he took last week against Texas Tech. So your offensive line is not together. They're not cohesive. You've got a 30-minute delay. You're really playing in an empty stadium more so than what they've seen all season long. We thought UCLA was empty. Well, there's so many Oklahoma fans that traveled to UCLA 
they kind of had made that a better atmosphere. You look at the stands when that game started, and a lot of it, some of it's Kansas, some of it is the weather delay. It's just a funky atmosphere. But at the end of the day, when when I when I break this game down, when I when I look at it, when I think about it, I see a slow start that was followed by a dominating performance. They started out slow. Jalen Hurts, I mean, again, he he should have had a pick six. But they go down. I mean, they get and, and if you read what we wrote this week at Heartland Sports, shameless plug, heartland-sports.com is where you can find us. If if you read what we wrote there, one of the things I said in my key players to watch is that you know, Kansas is going to come out and they're going to come out swinging and they're going to come out in a flurry and it's going to last about a quarter. And how Oklahoma responds to that is going to be really kind of what we're looking at. I mean, that, that's that's how would they respond to that? Well, they spawned, responded by scoring a touchdown at the end of the first quarter, scoring two touchdowns in the second quarter, and two touchdowns in the third quarter. And before Kansas could look up, it's 35-7. to seven. So they, 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 they scored 28 unanswered points against a team that they should have scored 28 unanswered points. And people are upset and worried. I don't care about the fourth quarter. That was garbage time. I mean, you got to realize Kansas didn't score again. Kansas didn't score again until they started putting in the second and the third uh, team defensive subs. I'm not worried about that. That does not bother me at all. Now, Kansas puts up another touchdown in the second quarter or the third quarter. We got some things to talk about. But but talking about Kansas scoring 13 points in the fourth quarter against Scrubs, I'm okay with that. Because what I saw from this offense was I saw some adjustments. The offensive line was getting a little bit overpowered. I saw some adjustments. What I saw from the defense, I saw adjustments. Puka Williams, Puka Williams is a, is a is a really good running back. Any, any Oklahoma fan who was in the stadium or watched the game last year, Norman knows Puka Williams is a really good running back. But I saw adjustments where Puka Williams had 100 yards in the first half. Do you know how many yards he finished with for the entire game? No. Just take a guess. 100 yards in the first half. What do you think he finished with? Williams specifically? Yeah. Um, I don't know, 127? Very close. He had 100 yards in the first half. He finished the game with 137 yards. What does that tell you? It tells you there were defensive adjustments made. Is this team making defensive adjustments last year? No. I picked this. I picked the score for this game to be 52 to 20. I was really, really hoping TJ Pledger, by the way, welcome to the 2019 college football season, TJ Pledger. I was really hoping TJ Pledger, who looked pretty crisp, I was hoping he could find a way to get in the end zone there at the at the end in garbage time, just so I could have a 52 to 20 score, which is what I predicted. Those are my initial thoughts on this game. It's it's officially OU Texas week now. I, I I'm, I'm putting this behind me, but we got to hear what Rich DeCray thinks. Have you ever experienced turbulence on a flight and wondered why? And you can see all the terrain around you. Uh, you've got no issue with visibility or anything. No, everything's PG. Maybe you've sat on the tarmac for hours wondering why your plane isn't moving. Well, we're outside here. They're saying the ramp is closed. They won't let us park because of uh, Air Force One. Listen in on the conversations between pilots and air traffic controllers on the Air Traffic Out of Control podcast. 510 declaring an emergency. There's smoke in the cabin. I need to make a landing right now on 31 left. 
We have the most interesting, wild, and funny ATC recordings you will ever hear. Check out Air Traffic Out of Control wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. So let's jump into that. This is the Sooner Nation podcast. <laughs> what I think, <laughs> that's quite funny. Um, here's the reality for me is I'm okay with a slow start. Um, it's It's got to happen. This team, one thing um, that we've seen out of them is this consistent progression as you've mentioned, but more specifically what we're looking out of or what we're looking for out of this team is is execution from start to finish. Now, it's not uncommon for Oklahoma not to play a complete game, as we like to call it. I think we're moving closer to that, but it's all about one foot in front of the other at this portion of the season. I don't want Oklahoma playing their best football today. Why? Because that means down the road there's going to be a little drop-off and we will see that loss come. And what I'm hoping for is an, an undefeated season and a national championship. You and I had talked, Matt, about this, and I fully am on board with it at this point in time. We look back over the short tenure that Lincoln Riley has at the University of Oklahoma, and what we see are the likes of Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, some pretty incredible receivers, and Marquise Brown. You've got guys on the offensive line who are NFL caliber and are a cohesive unit that either graduate and move into the NFL or leave early and move into the NFL. We see all of these dominant players at specific positions, whether it's a skill position or otherwise. But the truth is, I believe that this is the best team that Lincoln Riley has had at the University of Oklahoma. And that is top to bottom. That's the top, the 22 players who step onto the field. Here's where it comes down to for me is I love that this team isn't making excuses that they're owning up. This goes from the coaches down to the players as well. And they're owning up to some of the mistakes. And the quote that, that I had seen from a friend of mine previous, this previously this week was execution, no excuses. And, and I think it's a perfect moniker that we can use to describe this team because they want to execute. They didn't <laughs> for basically the whole first quarter against Kansas, but they didn't make any excuses about it. Went into the locker room, came out, and did what, what everyone was expecting Oklahoma to do in this game. All right, well, let, let's, let's talk about a few takeaways, and we'll start on the offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts, I, I, and, and here's the thing, when we talk about this, is that Jalen Hurts had a really good game. 16 of 24, 228 yards passing, and then uh, 10, of, 10 carries, 56 yards rushing, four combined touchdowns. But people are going to talk about the interception, which I could, I could make a very strong case that that interception is more on Trey Sermon than it is on Jalen Hurts because that ball passes through Trey Sermon's hands and right into the defender. I mean, I, I, yeah, he threw up a contested ball to a running back. Okay, if that's where the blame game stops right there, okay? He threw up a contested ball to a running back, but that contested ball went right through the running back's hands. I mean, Trey Sermon made the pocket and everything, and they just dropped through the pocket. That descent, that the defender had no idea he had the ball. If you go back and you watch that, 
it, that is that is a luck interception. He was not trying to make an interception. The ball just goes right through Trey Sermon's hands. He's trying to wrap up Trey Sermon. Oh, no, wait. There's the football. And if you look at it, he even juggles it a little bit because he's like, oh, crap, there's a ball right here in my hands. So, yeah, we can talk about that. Only the second interception of the season that Jalen Hurts has thrown. But the, the fact that Jalen Hurts had less than 300 total yards of offense – is something that people are kind of talking about. What is that? Whenever you look at a guy, a quarterback, who had four touchdowns, he was responsible for four touchdowns, two passing, two rushing, and the fact that we're talking about he didn't have a great game, he didn't have a really good game, what that tells you is that we're pretty spoiled to what Oklahoma does offensively. But Jalen Hurts, not bad. Tanner Mordecai, three for four, 75% uh, completion percentage. Um, but Oklahoma, I mean, I got to bring this up, Rich. And, and it didn't happen, honestly, in the way that I thought it would happen. But Ramondre Stevenson, Oklahoma's leading rusher on just five carries, and he continues the streak, scoring a touchdown five consecutive weeks. He's the only running back, and we've, we've talked about this if you listen to the podcast, the only Oklahoma running back to score every week, Ramondre Stevenson. No way. I, Thursday night, when we were recording the preview podcast, I had him as one of my offensive players to watch. I also included him in, my, in the in the post at heartland-sports.com for the exact same reason that of this streak. At that time, I thought Kennedy Brooks was going to play because, like a sucker, I believe what Lincoln Riley says. But I never expected Ramondre Stevenson to be Oklahoma's leading rusher off of just five carries. But it's time, I think, I think it's time that we have the legitimate Ramondre Stevenson conversation about where this guy fits in this offense. I, I, really, I think it's time to visit that because I, we walk away a lot of times from games thinking, man, Kennedy Brooks needs more carries or Trey Sermon needs more touches. Is it time to have that conversation about Ramondre Stevenson? Does he need to have more touches? I mean, he, he is, he's there. I mean, I, again, I, I am patting myself on the back here because I've been high on this kid ever since I saw his commitment. And then what I've used to describe him, and I don't think you bought in at first, but I think you're with me now. But the way I described him was Samaj P. Ryan's power, Joe Mixon's athleticism. And I don't think he's done anything. And he's not as fast as Joe Mixon, but he is athletic. And I don't think he's done anything to discredit or to make us say, no, that, that, is, that, that is a description that is way off base. But, I mean, I, I think with Kennedy Brooks kind of questionable at best, do you find a way to work Ramondre Stevenson into this offense more? What are your thoughts on that? I don't think it's, I don't think it's a necessity which is an unfortunate statement and it speaks really to the talent that is in the backfield for Oklahoma, whether that's Trey Sermon, whether that's Kennedy Brooks, Ramondre Stevenson, TJ Pledger, Marcus Major. It's a, it's a very deep position. I think more so you're looking at Ramondre Stevenson for the future uh, next year than you are for this year because my thoughts still lend a hand towards Trey Sermon declaring for the NFL draft, as well as potentially Kennedy Brooks. But regardless, 
even if it's just Trey Sermon declaring for the draft, it opens up that second spot. And I think Ramondre Stevenson will solidify himself in this rotation that we'll see him continue to get carries. The other question, the other, I guess, wrench in this whole situation is Jeremiah Hall. And you're starting to see the versatility. I mentioned it last game. Starting to see the versatility, the utilization of that versatility on the field as Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley are getting creative with what they want to do with Jeremiah Hall. He's not just a guy who steps in in a blocking situation. Now, he has the most success in the red zone, or we hear his name mentioned the most in the red zone, but he's he's a playmaker currently, and he's an X factor that Oklahoma can use to create some of those mismatches. So now all of a sudden we're talking about an H back where you've got the running backs in there as well. And the situation becomes much murkier. There's not a clear solution. Um, and unfortunately for Oklahoma, I said he, he doesn't need any necessarily any more carries, but at the same time, I don't know how you keep the entire group happy at this point in time with the workload that they've been given. Granted, Jalen Hurts is also absorbing some of those carries himself because of the design runs that they're using. Some of the RPOs that are wildly popular here in not just the Big 12, but in college football in general. So there's not a lot of carries to go around, especially when you're looking at, I'm just going to give the, the three running backs. We'll throw Jeremiah Hall and, and Jalen Hurts in there. There's not enough carries to go around for five guys when you're looking at about an average of 25 to 30 carries a game. Well, let me tell you how you keep these guys happy. You know, Trey Sermon, Trey Sermon with 11 carries in the game, 76, 71 yards and a touchdown on 11 carries. Trey Sermon has a lot of tread on his tires, so to speak. He's in his third season at Oklahoma. He's been a very productive back. He's got an NFL career ahead of him. So if you're Lincoln Riley, the conversation goes like this. Look, Trey, there's enough tape out there on you. And if NFL scouts know what they're going to get in you. Now, we, we need to keep you healthy. We need to save some of the wear and tear on your body. So we're going we're gonna to give you the bulk of the carries amongst the running backs. That's been the case with Trey Sermon this season. He, he's gotten more carries consistently than Kennedy Brooks. But we're, we're going to keep you healthy, Trey. We, we're going to use you. And you're going to be a big-time back, and you're going to have opportunities to make plays. But we're going we're gonna to keep your workload down. So when you go into the NFL, which you're going to, but when you make it there, you've got, a, you've got more longevity on you than, than what a guy like, look at Samaj P. Ryan. Uh, Oklahoma fans love Samaj P. Ryan, and it's only fitting to talk about Samaj P. Ryan with a Kansas game. But think about all the wear and tear that Samaj had on him by the time he left the University of Oklahoma and went into the NFL. If I'm an NFL scout, I see what Trey Sermon can do. And yeah, I'm, I'm going to question, can this guy carry the ball 20 to 30 times a game? That's going to be a question, but what I'm not going to question is his health. How much does he have left? How much can he give me? Because we can condition these guys to carry the ball 20 to 30 times a game. And I think that's the approach they're taking with these running backs. And Kennedy Brooks, I don't know if he's going to be around another season. I think he will. And I think you're right. I think we're looking at the, the, the beginning of the end for Trey Sermon, and that's not a bad thing. But that's how you keep him happy. Trey, we're going to put you in the NFL, but we're going to put you in the NFL healthy. And a guy like Ramondre Stevenson becomes almost a perfect, the perfect fit for that. And, and again, I don't know how long Kennedy's out. 
But here's what Oklahoma missed with Kennedy Brooks. They missed that burst. They, they missed that, just that, that lightning shooting through the gap and just exploding outside. They missed that. And I, and I don't know that Ramondre is the, the guy who does that. I think Ramondre hits the hole a little bit harder than Trey Sermon does, but he hits it with power, and he, then he accelerates through. How many times? I mean, I, I know for sure on his touchdown run, at least two guys had their hands on him. But I think three. And then there was other other runs that we saw from him. I mean, think back. I mean, it's not hard to find his highlight reel this season. But look at the guys who bounce off of him as he runs with power. But what they're missing is that quick burst guy. And what Oklahoma fans need to hope for is that Kennedy Brooks was held out for precaution. Guy got dinged up a little bit last week against Kansas State. I mean, against Texas Tech. You hold him out against Kansas. That way you have him healthy as possible for Texas. Because I don't think anybody's going to anybody's going to argue the point that next week is a lot bigger than this weekend was. You know, that, that's the game. That, that game defines the season. You're either still in the playoff hunt or you're on the outside looking in after next Saturday. So and, and hopefully, again, hopefully with these offensive linemen that are missing, hopefully it's the same story. We really want them next week. So we're going to sacrifice him this week. And I will tell you this. When I, when I look at this offense and I look at what happened today, my big concern with Texas next week is the offensive line. Here's – I'm just going to jump right into this because one of the things that I, I guess bothered me in the first half about this Oklahoma team, I sat here previewing this game and said Oklahoma was and still is a power football team. They have that capability. We've seen them line up and gain yardage when they've needed it. Whether that's short short situations, uh, goal line situations, we've seen them be able to line up and get the yardage they need in order to be successful. This game against Kansas, um, sure, you've mentioned the offensive line. I felt like they were very underwhelming in the first half of play specifically. Um, Oklahoma, you know how many rushing yards they had in the first half? Well, I I think it's going to be skewed as to what you're going to say, but it wasn't very many. Yeah, it may be skewed, but I'm going for 24 here. Well, well keep in mind, they, they turned a first and goal into a punting situation. And all those backwards yards, you know, 40 yards, that comes that, that eats into your rushing yards. Yeah, and which brings up the second point. Um, I'm, I'm not concerned with the running backs. I do fully believe in this game, specifically, the majority of the blame lies with the offensive line. But I'm also putting a portion of the blame on, on play calling. A couple of times, Oklahoma got out there, tried to use a little deceit, a little bit of trickery, and it turned around and it, it bit them pretty heavily. There was a significant consequence on those situations. And did you see, did you see, don't shake your head. Did you see Lincoln Riley's post game interview? No, I, I had a wedding rehearsal I had to be at. So I basically ended the game. Uh, by the way, congratulations to Mark and Alex. Mark is our Oklahoma state writer and uh, getting married on Sunday, getting hitched. I had the wedding rehearsal. So no, I, I did the recap and I, and I, I, I bolted. I've got all that information and we'll be doing notes and quotes after we record this podcast. 
Well, here's what Lincoln Riley said as he's doing his post-game interview. In the background, you can literally hear a oh, toilet, toilet flush. flush. I did see that. And so I Lincoln Riley, that. Lincoln Riley says that's what they thought of of my play calling. Again, I, it speaks volumes for a guy in his position. Instead of saying we just didn't execute, to say, look, that was bad play calling on my part. And we look at Lincoln Riley as one of the most effective, most creative, a front runner when it comes to designing plays specifically when it comes to utilizing the talent that you've got on the roster instead of trying to fit specifically a quarterback. I've used that term a lot, so we're going to drop it. But fit a quarterback into a system that doesn't cater to their strengths. Lincoln Riley's been phenomenal about that. I just didn't. I thought with the play calls there, that fourth and goal, or fourth and goal, the goal, first and goal, and then, yeah, whatever. I looked at that, and a lot of that blame, like I said, went, went on play calling. It turned a scoring opportunity into a punt. Um, that's a very rare situation. It's a very odd situation to watch unfold. Unfortunately, it happened for Oklahoma. Luckily, though, it didn't cost them anything. It just made things a little bit more interesting throughout that first half, and I was a little bit concerned. I want, I'm, I'm going to get to the defense here, but... We'll stick with the with the offense here for the time being. Um, the the last concern that that I'm looking at here, it's not the offensive line. We've talked about some of that play calling. Before you get to that, can I can I address the trick plays and the play calling? Or can I? What am I going to say? <laughs> here's here's where I believe you're going with it. Is it something to put on film for Texas to prepare for? It's an extra wrinkle. That has to be accounted for. Yeah, I mean, that's it. Bingo. Because here's the thing. Like I said, I'm worried about this offensive line. If they're not healthy, if we don't see the starting five that we saw at UCLA, there's going to be trouble. But but the answer, the solution to that is, I believe, what they're doing with motion. Because let's think about all the things we've seen them do with motion. We, we, we've seen them put a guy in motion and then you flare the ball out to him. We've seen them put a guy in motion and you just kind of do that little shovel pass right to him. As they're going by, we've seen him put a guy in motion and then bring it around in the reverse. We've seen him put a guy in motion and bring it around on the reverse pass. We've got it. We've seen him put him in motion and, and do a flea flicker. We've seen that twice this year. We've seen the flea flicker twice this year. No, it blew up. He did absolutely blew up against Kansas. I get that. I, I, I'm not. I'm not denying that. I don't. I don't disagree with that. We saw it blow up. But if you're Todd Orlando, the Texas defensive coordinator. What do you tell your guys to look for when someone goes in motion? How do you adjust to that? Because Oklahoma, if they cannot get their starting five offensive line, what you're going to see is you're going to see a lot of motion plays. You're going to see a lot of misdirection. You're going to see a lot of quarterback rollouts to try to compensate for an offensive line that could get overpowered by what is a very good Texas defensive front. So you put things in motion and you do things and you throw stuff out there because you know what Todd Orlando has to do this week? He's probably on the, on the way home right now from Morgantown, West Virginia. And, you know, that, 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 that's a trip that sucks. You and I are West Virginia guys. We got family there. You got to fly into Pittsburgh. You got to ride a bus up the mountain to Morgantown. You know what Todd Orlando's doing? He's watching what his defense did against West Virginia today, which wasn't great. And now he's got to figure out how does he prepare his guys for motion? How does he adjust to all of the possibilities 
that Oklahoma is going to do with motion plays. And there's a lot of them out there, and he has to spend time breaking down film and adjusting his personnel to all of the many possibilities that Oklahoma can do with motion. And I promise you, I promise you, Lincoln Riley hasn't shown everything he can do out of motion packages. So that that I, I see what you're saying, and I don't disagree. Those plays blew up. Well, that one play blew up. The throwback to Jalen Hurts is pretty sweet. But the flea flicker blew up. See, Lamb should just fallen down. But still, Todd Orlando has to prepare for that. He, even though it blew up, Todd Orlando has to be ready for that play and the half a dozen other plays that Oklahoma has shown so far this year with motion. That's why I'm not worried about it. I, I, it, was a, it was a hot topic on, on social media. Why does Oklahoma have to do trick plays against Kansas? They don't have to do trick plays against Kansas. But if you're Texas, what you have to do is you have to prepare for that now. Yeah, I completely agree with your statement. As I feel like those things are a necessity. It is part of the game. It's part of the strategy moving forward. Um, so the last concern that, that I was going to throw out there really was unfolding within some of those situations that we've already mentioned. But there were some minor mistakes, some things that I think Oklahoma obviously can clean up. Now, I, I don't want this to be mistaken for me saying that they need to play a perfect game because I, I don't believe that's a possibility. Um, those are few and far between. But cleaning up some of the mental mistakes you had mentioned, C.D. Lamb, we've seen some penalties that are very easily avoidable. A couple of holding calls, C.D. Lamb on the return, um, a holding call. I, I don't. <laughs> I, I I get trying to clear up some space, um, but you got to know how far away you are from a play that a guy's not going to catch him if you let him go. Um, and C.D. Lamb, I think, is another guy who's deceptively fast. He's a little bit shifty when he wants to be. But ultimately, he makes wise decisions, picks the right spots to be in. It's why he's considered one of the, the top receivers in the country, if not the best in the country. I know he's the best in the Big 12. I've got no no qualms about that one, even with Tylen Wallace being in this league. But Cleaning up some of those mental mistakes will wrap up the, the third concern of mine. Listen to the Sooner Nation podcast, the online podcast for Heartland Sports, heartland-sports.com. Hey, you can find us on Twitter, at Sports Heartland, at Sports Heartland on Twitter. Oklahoma rolls past, slow start, but rolls past Kansas, 45 to 20. I, I grade out this offense altogether. With everything, I grade them out with a B plus. You know, it wasn't an A performance. It wasn't 600 yards. For the first time this season, Oklahoma didn't rack up 600 yards. But I graded out as a B plus. And you know what? The truth of the matter is, when we talk about the defensive side of the ball, I'm going to grade them out as a, probably an A minus or a B plus. It is not realistic to expect in this day and age of football for the defense to go pitch a shutout. Those days are gone. Once the three yards and a cloud of dust offenses d disappeared, so did the dream of pitching a shutout. But I, I chalk up seven points surrendered by Oklahoma's starting defense. Yeah, Puka Williams had 100 yards. I, I get that, and I'm okay with that because Puka Williams is really talented. But, but I think when you, when you look at this defensive performance, it's an A, A minus. It's, it's not a B performance. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good performance. And, and I, 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 you know, I saw adjustments, and, and I was not a – 
Mike Stoops apologist by any stretch of the imagination. It was not a Mike Stoops apologist. But that was also a guy who was saying, okay, maybe it's time for Mike to go. I, I don't think you should have done it midseason. That defense did not get better letting him go midseason. I don't know that that was the right move at the right time. I, I really don't. But it was time for a change. I get that. And, and I, my only question was the timing of the change. And what I said was the defense didn't get better. It wasn't the, It was the mindset of the 11 guys on the field as well as it was bad coaching. But when's the last time you saw defensive adjustments in a half that really kind of, really not even a half, defensive adjustments between the first and the second quarters that set some things up for Oklahoma to really get moving and, and to get rolling. And, and that's, when I look at this defense, I, I give them a good grade just because of that, just because they adjusted. And then I, I look at, uh, you know, a DTL, you know, seven, seven total tackles in the day to lead this team. It, this was a day where the safeties, I thought, had to really step up. And, and Ronnie Perkins, you know, two tackles for loss. Ronnie Perkins ha had a monster day, and so did Kenneth Murray. There was there was one of the quarterback sacks. I'm pretty confident. Maybe it was Perkins. I thought it was Murray. It was either Murray or Perkins where basically he's giving Puka Williams a piggyback ride on his way to taking down the Kansas quarterback. This was a good defensive performance, still susceptible to some things on the edge. And, and that's a concern we brought up after last week. And I think that's where, where Puka kind of was able to get his success by, by hitting that edge. Um, but again, they cleaned that up. And, and when, you, when you give up seven points early, make the adjustments. I, I'm okay with that. Because they gave up seven points early, and then they didn't give up any more points until garbage time. And, and, and there's, there's detractors out there. There are people, well, you know, they had the one play where the tight end drops the ball. Yeah, okay. And your point is what? Because my point is they didn't score. And we can play what ifs all the time. What if that flea flicker worked? You know, what if Jalen Hurts didn't have to get the ball pitched back to him 40 yards downfield? What if it worked? We could play what ifs. But the, the, the fact is, the, 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 remove the what if from the equation, is that this defense gave up seven points. The starting defense gave up seven points against Kansas. The, 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 they gave up 14 points to Texas Tech. They gave up 14 points to UCLA. So I'm okay with what happened. I'm okay with getting guys in there at garbage time to try to get them to learn and, and get them to understand their role and their position. I'm okay with all of that. Because I saw defensive adjustments, and I saw the front, again, have some powerful moves. There are things that they have to do better. They have to be better at minding their gaps. They have to do a little bit better in pursuit. And if I'm going to pick something that I'm worried about, that kind of seems to be the theme of this podcast, if I'm going to pick something that I'm worried about with his defense, following this game, it's Parnell Motley. I mean, I'm sorry. I, I, Parnell Motley is a success story. He, he is an embattled defensive back, but he continues to be the most picked on Oklahoma cornerback. And he continues to be just in the wrong place at the wrong time. I think two of uh, two of the touchdowns were on Parnell Motley through the air today. And it's just because he's a the guy they're going to pick on. That, I mean, I just, if I'm going to find something to worry about in this defense, that's where it's going to be. Defensively early, what I, I I'm gonna just disagree with you slightly here in saying that Puka Williams 
really utilize that edge because early on I felt as though Oklahoma was setting a decent edge and forcing the ball carrier back towards the numbers, back into traffic. It was the poor tackling. It was attempting arm tackles that we saw some of the bigger gains out of early on. Yes, a little bit later, the edge again was exploited. It's something that is Oklahoma is going to have to figure it out on defense. They're going to have to figure out schematically how, how do they stop that player personnel-wise? How do they stop a team? Puka Williams, not the best running back that Oklahoma is going to face all season long. One of the better ones, but not the best one. Oklahoma State <laughs> is still on, on the schedule. Chuba Hubbard is going to be there. And you can, I mean, I'm willing to bet the entire farm that Mike Gundy and his staff are going to game plan to use Chuba Hubbard on the edges when that meeting happens. You don't think so. I just have serious questions about Mike Gundy and play calling right now. After watching the Texas game and watching the Texas Tech game, I got some big questions about Mike Gundy and play calling. So I see the point. I I get it. But uh, there's trouble in Stillwater. There is trouble in Stillwater. That's it. We'll we'll talk about that later. (laughs) Okay. Um, But Oklahoma, defensively, I don't think they did anything that was of great concern. Um, there we, we've, I felt like talked about this indefinitely and it's still an ongoing issue. It's that you have the same players on the field who are making those same, whether they were mental mistakes, whether they were technique mistakes, they were making the same mistakes last year that we're seeing here and there this year. Granted, it's not as often. And so I do think I'm going to go back to my opening statement here and say, you've got to look at the progress that's being made and you have to applaud the progress because it's a change in mentality. It's a change in culture at the University of Oklahoma. And it's not something that happens within five games. It's something that usually takes a couple of seasons. My go-to program for culture change within the conference is, is obviously Baylor. And Baylor did not have a lot of success when they first came in and first accepted the ideology that Matt Rule was preaching. Needless to say, Oklahoma finds themselves defensively schematics are are being dumbed down they're being simplified is i guess the more politically correct term on that one but they're being simplified the offense isn't extremely complicated regardless of what people like to say about oklahoma's offense they're running simple things they're just executing at a high level and i think the defense obviously offense is off the charts but the defense is still playing a little bit of catch up They're still learning to erase these mental highways and reconstruct these paths for them so that it becomes an instinct instead of thinking about it. And we do have to give them time. But again, I I like the progress. You've mentioned the two stars of the day, really. When it comes to Oklahoma, only scare we had was the potential injury to Kenneth Murray there comes back in the game, continues to perform at a high level, didn't act like that that injury or it's not really an injury, but perceived injury didn't act like it really bothered him that much. So going into this upcoming week, yeah, health is of, of huge concern. And that's when Murray goes down, all of a sudden these thoughts, these negative thoughts begin to pop up in your mind. But I'm looking at the defense and, and I'm just giving him a hat tip. 
Yeah, I think everybody had their um, their breath held when when you see Kenneth Murray kind of struggle there. Uh, but again, everybody had that collective sigh of relief whenever Murray um, came back out on the field. Oklahoma had 53 players involved in 49 total tackles in this game. Uh, seven tackles for loss. That's huge. And they sacked the quarterback three times. What they did not do, Rich, you want to guess what they did not do? No, I have no idea. They did not get a turnover in this game. First time since the season opener against Houston that they failed to record a turnover. I kind of thought there was one coming. I really did. Uh, Kansas has put the ball on the ground like seven times this season, losing four of them. I just kind of thought there, there would be a turnover coming Oklahoma's way, but now they're really behind. They, they were one turnover behind going in. There were two turnovers behind. There's only six on the season right now. All right, well, now they're way behind because there are two more now. So, I mean, that's, um, you know, they should be at 10. So you're like four turnovers behind. I don't see Texas giving the ball to Oklahoma four times next weekend in the Cotton Bowl. All right, um, we got to talk about offensive and defensive players of the game for Oklahoma. Any other general thoughts that you've got? Because, um, and, and I, I got uh, – I, I got in a little bit of trouble last week because I, I mispronounced this guy's last name. So I'm going to let you just go ahead and say it. But Oklahoma's punter, you know what he averaged in punts today? He had, he had two kicks. Have you looked at the stats? You know what his total yards were in two punts? Uh, the name is Munchau, and no, I do not know what the stats are. So Munchau, 100 yards, two punts, averaging 50 yards. And we talked about this last week. Just the, the big leg, his, his longest was 58 yards. And that, that is such an underrated aspect. Oklahoma doesn't have to punt very often. We talked about last week. But it's nice to know when you do have to punt, you've got a guy who is able to flip the field. And this kid, he has been impressive and limited action. Uh, Brickage, uh one for one, 32-yard uh, field goal today, uh, six for six on his extra points. I, I mean, I don't want to bring up the whole Caleb uh, Callum Sutherland situation, but he's suspended indefinitely. Title IX investigation. We had already talked about him losing his starting job after the DUI or the the public intoxication. And this, I, I mean, I, I think it's his team now, and and all he's done is is made field goals. I don't want to jinx him, but I mean, special teams wise, I feel like I feel like Oklahoma's. Performing admirably special teams, but we just don't talk about it as much because the offense is has been the story all season long. But I think special teams is at some point, I feel like special teams is going to come out huge for Oklahoma at a critical moment. Could be next weekend in Dallas. I don't know. But uh, any before we do our offensive and defensive players of the game, any um, any other thoughts on the game that you want to address or talk about? Yeah, sure. Um, the, the only thing that I'll throw out there in closing really on general game thoughts. Um, I didn't think about it until just this very moment, but Oklahoma has been so successful defensively on third down. And it's a reason that we're seeing some of the numbers, the limitations of opposing offenses that we've seen. Oklahoma gets them, gets Kansas into third and long on numerous times. Um, they've got to clean up mental mistakes on, on the defensive side of the ball as well. That first or first Kansas drive, I believe it was, mistake gives Kansas the first down. Um, but like I said, Texas Tech was one of 14, I believe, 
Kansas, I didn't expect them to have much success. They just had a little more than I, I would have liked to have seen out of a team, one, that doesn't have the, the level of talent that Oklahoma has, but two, out of a team that we expected to run the ball and run the ball often. Now, granted, Puka Williams in the backfield is capable, um, very speedy, very shifty guy. When he gets into space, you have to be a sure tackler. So defensively, they, there was a third and 12 that they converted by running the ball. That's not – I feel like that's fairly uncommon. But Oklahoma should have been able to recognize that situation, that the strength of this team was going to be run, running the ball, and just stepped up. Like I said, I wanted them to be closer to their seasonal numbers than probably what they posted today. All right, Kansas still below fifty uh, percent on third down, six of fourteen. Let's not let's not pretend like Les Miles isn't a good coach. And I know we like to make fun of Les Miles, and I know every Oklahoma. I was getting text messages from Oklahoma State fans last night and this morning, just wishing Oklahoma luck. Not because they like the Sooners, but because they hate Les Miles. Okay, but I mean the guy knows what he's doing. He he kind of started laying the foundation for what Oklahoma State is today. He won a national championship at LSU. I thought I don't know if you saw this or not, but I thought it was pretty funny. There he is coaching on the sidelines in at, in Lawrence, Kansas, with his LSU national championship ring on his finger. I just I, I guess that's what some coaches do. I, I don't know, but uh, I thought that was kind of funny. But let's not pretend he's not a good coach and doesn't know what he's doing. But still, less than fifty percent on third down. I'm okay with that. Oklahoma uh, turned that around. Oklahoma six of nine, sixty. You know that's sixty six percent roughly on third down. A pretty good percentage. To me, the bigger stat is fourth down. The Jayhawks went for it twice on fourth down, didn't convert either time. I, I'm not I'm not belittling your point. I'm just saying you got to throw in some coaching there as well. There's your two turnovers. Yeah, I mean, I I, I do. I've talked about I've count those as turnovers. To me, you turn it over on downs, but that's not going to show up on the interceptions or, or fumbles, and that's what they're counting there. Right, it's not going to show up on an official stat line, but even Alex Grinch said he counts a stop. If he counted a stop on third down as a potential turnover, it's just a flipping of the field because opposing teams will punt. So fourth down, I do believe Alex Grinch would say himself, that's a turnover in our book. Hey, when I played and when I coached, fourth down stops was a turnover. And I, I just that was ingrained in me. And I still believe it the way it is. Okay, um, let's talk about our defensive player of the game here. Um, who you got, Rich? Um, it, I, I am going to have to go with, with Ronnie Perkins here up front, causing a little bit of havoc, getting into the backfield. Of course, Oklahoma, I felt like, wanted to make Kansas one-dimensional and knowing that the front seven was – very integral in making that happen happen excuse me making that happen it had to be i mean one of one of the guys on the defensive line for me ronnie perkins one of three players with sacks today by the way it was ronnie perkins who carried puka williams on his back as he was uh recording the sack i i could i said earlier i couldn't remember if that was kenneth murray or ronnie perkins it was definitely ronnie perkins ronnie perkins one of three players with sacks brian asamoa and Patrick Fields also recording that. Pat Fields had a pretty good game. Uh, things that, again, that don't show up necessarily in the stat book, uh, but recording his sack there. I, I, I'm i going to continue kind of what I've been doing all season long, and I'm going to go with DTL as as Oklahoma's defensive player of the game. Um, it's team high, seven 
tackles, I would have to go back and look at this. I, I think I could be wrong, but I think it's the first time he's ever led the team in tackles. And so uh, that's something that that I, I thought was pretty cool for him. All right, let's flip over to the offensive side of the ball. We've got to go with our, our offensive player of the week. Now I, I'm gonna throw something. Don't don't look at don't look at stats because I don't want you to cheat here. I, I I'm gonna throw something out here. Do you know how many players caught a pass today at for Oklahoma? <laughs> I, I do. You want me to give the yeah. number? I, I think the number was 13. That was something they talked about post game. Okay, so there's 13 players who caught a pass for, for OU today. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I just want to make sure I said it right. There are seven guys who tied for the team high in number of catches. Those guys are Braden Willis, Nick Baskin, Jeremiah Hall, Jaden Hazelwood, C.D. Lamb, Trey Sermon, and Trajan Bridges. Do you know the number of – you were just looking at the stats. How many catches did these guys eat? They tied, they tied for a team high. And the number of catches is two. I mean, again, ball distribution and playmakers. So it makes it kind of hard to think of who your offensive player of the game is. So you got to go back to me. I think you got to go back to Jalen Hurts. I counted for four touchdowns today, two through the air, two on the ground. If you're not going to go with Jalen Hurts, then my runner-up, you know who that's going to be, right? Ramondre Stevenson, 109 yards, five carries, and a score. Anybody else you can think about on the offensive side of the ball that kind of deserves? I mean, are we agreed that it's Jalen Hurts? Yeah, absolutely. The only other excuse me, name that I would even consider throwing out there was negated by the return touchdown not counting, and it would have been CeeDee Lamb as my player of the game had that counted. Okay, so we've got to talk about um, we've got to talk about Trajan Bridges. We got to do the Big 12 rundown and then just some real quick thoughts on Texas as that game now looms in one week. You listen to Sooner Nation podcast, the online podcast for Heartland Sports. Oklahoma in Texas at the Cotton Bowl next Saturday. Texas didn't do their part at making this ticket go a little bit cheaper. They go up to West Virginia, they win. We'll talk about that just for a brief minute here in a little bit. But if you're looking for tickets, we got your hookup. If you go to Vivid Seats, find the tickets, use the promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, use the promo code OVERTIME, you can save money on that ticket purchase. You can get uh, money back. You can get money off of your ticket purchase. Those tickets are astronomical. But if you've never been to OU Texas, if you've never experienced that, this will be a top 10 matchup this week. I think there's a chance game day is going to be there. It would be worth every penny for you to go to this game, if you've never experienced it before, do it right now. And you can save money. You can get those tickets. They're, they're, they're not cheap. Not going to lie. They're not cheap. But you can save money if you use the promo code OVERTIME at Vivid Seats. And I promise you, if you've never experienced that atmosphere, you want to go to OU Texas. Anytime you go, it's awesome. But when it's a top 10 matchup, it's fantastic. Okay. There's my shameless plug. Trajan Bridges. I, I, I'm at a loss. Lincoln Riley, we've determined where he's going to play. We know where he is. But I'm not going to tell you that because, well, there's an there's a advantage to not divulging that information. But yet he tied for a team high in catches. He saw the field as a, as a safety. And he was on special teams. Apparently, he's playing everywhere. 
And they just didn't want to tell us that. Trajan Bridges played everywhere. I don't know, man. I, I Good for this kid. Good for him that as a freshman, he's able to figure out not only just living away from home. By the way, he's not from Oklahoma. This kid's moved across the country to come to Norman to play football as a freshman. Not a redshirt freshman, but a true freshman. And not only is he managing his workload of academics, not only is he learning to live out away from mom and dad probably for the first time in his life, he's learning the offensive playbook, he's learning the defensive playbook, and he's learning special teams. Good for him. I I, I don't know where he is. I mean, I don't know. I, I think I still stick to my guns. My opinion is he's more valuable on the offensive side of the ball right now than he is on the defensive side. But clearly they still have seen enough in him to try to build some depth defensively with him. I think ultimately with, with Trajan Bridges, there was one catch that, again, shored up everything in terms of his future for me because we saw an incredible play, an incredible catch out of him that was a nod towards why he was a five-star recruit by rivals. And it's why Oklahoma, Alabama, Ohio State – all these other big-time names in the college football world recruited him to play on the offensive side of the ball. I still feel as though the safety project experiment, however you would like to label that, is just that. It's nothing more than depth. And because Bridges has no real experience, I mean, he was an early enrollee. I'm just going to assume that he didn't work out at the safety position all the way through the spring and all the way through the summer and into fall. That The fall is when that became a conversation piece. So he's he's lagging behind, but he's athletic enough to make plays. He's a guy who obviously has the work ethic to make it to not only the, the Division One level, excuse me, FBS level, but he's also a guy who I believe has the work ethic to be the top receiver at any program in the country. He's just competing with, three other guys who could very similarly hold that role and have similar talents. So it's, it's working him onto the field. It's getting him playing time. It's getting him comfortable with the speed of the game, whether that's him having to get those snaps on the defensive side of the ball or the offensive side of the ball. But like, like we said last week, Matt, or on Thursday, even Trajan Bridges, his future is on the offensive side of the ball. No questions asked for me, regardless of what the coaches will tell you and regardless of the position that he's being inserted at when it's game time. All right, let's run through the Big 12. We're, we're going we're gonna to save the Texas talk for just a few minutes. Um, 11 o'clock kickoff, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech. I, I, I give up trying to figure out Oklahoma State. I the, the type of performance that they dropped off in Lubbock is the type of performance I expected them to to go with last night uh, last week against Kansas State. After seeing Kansas State today, I'm convinced they are as I mean, if you remember early season, I mean even preseason when we're doing our power rankings and position rankings, we had Kansas State near the bottom of the Big 12, yet they jump out to this 4-0 start, they get the win at Mississippi State. All of a sudden, they're ranked in the top 25, and we were like, man, we were wrong about Kansas State. They're a lot better than we thought they were, and Oklahoma State had better watch out for these guys. Turns out we weren't wrong. We were wrong about being wrong. This is a bad football team, and maybe we put too much stock in Oklahoma State because you, I, I see a team, when I, when I look at Oklahoma State, I, I did a lot of going back and forth with this game. 
The weather delay helped out with that. But from the start, from the very start, this team was underwater in Lubbock. They were overpowered up front. Spencer Sanders looked like a freshman. Chuba Hubbard, you're right. He's talented. He is super talented. But a better defense, a better talented team is going to make him work harder than even Texas Tech did today for yards. I, I'm worried. I mean, look, we, we talk. I'm the only one. And I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just saying I'm the only one. When we did our, our, our weekly power rankings, I'm the only one who did not have Oklahoma State at number three. I had Baylor at number three, Oklahoma State at number four. And the reason why I did that was because I, I still had some concerns about Oklahoma State on the defense. And I had concerns about Oklahoma State on the offensive line. And I thought, you go out to Lubbock, you play against a backup quarterback, you get a good road win in conference, I'm going to bump them up to number three this week. They got hammered. And, and you know, Joe, OSU fans are going to be like, yeah, but we only lost by 10 points and we had a chance to win at the end. To get it to within 10 points, you had to kick an onside kick and recover it to get down the score just to pull within 10. And I don't know, again, we're talking about Mike Gundy. I didn't intend for this to be a rant, but we're talking about Mike Gundy and play calling and taking advantage of things. Why do you go for a two-point conversion? You're, you're down 10. If you kick the extra point, you're down nine. And a touchdown and a field goal, you win. Regardless, you got to have a touchdown and a field goal. You go for two, you're still down eight. I, I, I mean, okay, so now you just need a touchdown and a two-point conversion. But if you don't get it, which they didn't, Guess what? You still need a touchdown on a field goal. I don't know. I, I, I have questions about Mike Gundy in big moments. I don't think there's harmony right now on this team. I, I really don't. I see some things. It just makes me go, there's, there's, there's trouble in the water. They need a bye week. They need an off week. They need to refocus and re because there is talent on this team. You talked about Tylen Wallace. You talked about Shuba Hubbard. There's talent there. But, man, they are just getting overpowered up front. Oklahoma State falls at Texas Tech 45-35. You got any thoughts on that? I, I rambled for a little bit. No, no, no. <laughs> um, the, the difficult thing for me is sorting out the middle of the pack. And last week you gave me a little bit of a hard time because I said I thought Baylor was a middle-of-the-pack team. I started thinking about in the Big 12 what's middle of the pack. And if I had to actually define it, it would be three through six right now. Seven, eight, nine are, are going to just be at the bottom, fighting not to be the last team in conference play. But three, four, five, and six are all up for grabs, at this specifically at this point in time. Um, and the way that things have played out, the expectations that we've had, I'm not certain that whether it's Baylor, Oklahoma State, I don't know if you're putting Iowa State and Kansas State in there as Kansas State being that fourth team or if you've got someone else rising through the ranks and being three, four, five, and six. But needless to say, I don't know how the Big 12 is going to shake out. There are some talented players. These are, you mentioned it, young teams. They're still learning. They're still going to make those mistakes. It's who's going to make the least amount of those and who can recover the best when the mistakes do happen. I don't know who who that team is going to be. Um, if I had to put money on it today, I'm going to say Iowa State because they're, they are the most experienced team out of the bunch of the four that I've mentioned. But 
three, four, five, and six, the middle of the pack, all of those are, are still unsettled. I don't even know that two's 100% settled at this point in time with the way that Texas has played, or should I say the lack of defense that I've seen from them. Heading into the season, I thought they would be defensively sound. I thought they would be at the top, towards the top of the conference statistically, and they're just not where I thought they would be. Oklahoma, clearly ahead above the rest, but when it comes, we're talking specifically about Oklahoma State, I just don't know where they fall. I, I think I think right at this point, Baylor's three. The, the Bears with a big win over Kansas State, um, and – and Iowa State beating TCU. We talked about that Thursday night. That was a that's a big game, a big win for the Cyclones. Who had the ugliest uniforms in college football today? Iowa State with just terrible uniforms. Uh, 49-24 over TCU. Baylor 31 to 12 over Kansas State. To me, Baylor's three. And then and then you got to put I, I I think from there it becomes Iowa State, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, TCU. It gets muddy right there. Uh, you're, you're disagreeing with me, and we can argue about this at another time because we're running out of time. But Texas 42 to 31 over West Virginia. Austin Kendall throws four interceptions in this game, but the Mountaineers still score 31 points on Texas. You're absolutely right. There are so many questions about this Texas defense, and they're not just riddled with injury at the running back position. Uh, Ingram went down today. I haven't heard what what the diagnosis was on him, but they lost Ingram for part of that game, if not all of that game. And then they're still losing defenders. So Texas gets the advantage of four takeaways, courtesy of Austin Kendall, but still gives up 31 points. This is going to be very interesting next weekend in the Cotton Bowl. We're going to break all that down Thursday night in our preview podcast for the Red River Shootout. But we got to cut it loose now. He's Rich. I'm Matt. This has been the Sooner Nation Podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback. Love to hear your thoughts. Some of you guys have sent out emails. We so appreciate hearing from you. If you listen to us on iTunes or Spotify or whatever, give us a positive ranking. You don't have to give us a five. We'd love a five. But you can give us a four or whatever. Rank us. Give us a rating uh, on, on, on iTunes. Hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Have a fantastic week. Texas sucks.